I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. James Baldwin. Welcome back to Spooky Season with Ambiguous Anthology. It is I, Jade, and... Melanie. Sorry, I was yawning. Every time. We have a couple of announcements for you guys today. A lot of things are happening within this short period of time. For one, Mario Kart Mobile is out. It's only for Apple, so if you have an Android device, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, and then it is... Well, it's September, but this will be posted in, in October... So one thing forgot, funnily enough, about Bisexual Visibility Day, which was on September 23rd. And for October, the observances, there's a lot of shit, um, but I just chose to focus on Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, Filipino, I think it was like Filipino American History Month, actually. No, yes, sorry. LGBT History Month. Um, Child Health Day is on the 17th, Indigenous Peoples Day is on the 14th, Spirit Day, which is an uh, LGBT-related holiday, is on the 15th, and the greatest holiday of all time is on the 31st, Halloween. And I think it's still, there's still a little bit of time left to register to vote if you are turning 18 post the election, so that's something that people should probably note as well. I don't remember when the last day to register is, but, like, go. Go now. (laughs) It definitely probably differs by state because the primaries are at different times by state. So you should look it up. Um, I know Maryland.gov is a real website, so, you know, maybe try that for your own state. Um, Or Google is also a real website that can help you. (laughs) Google's a real website. That's the title of the episode, Google, a real website. Yeah. Alright, so today we are talking about a topic near and dear to my medical life as a alien on this planet, um, which is the social reception to allergies. So, this topic came about because I realized that more and more as I go out and socialize, which is really the lesson here is to not go out and socialize, is that people respond to allergies more negatively than positively, which kind of sucks because it's a medical condition and it should be treated like you know something to be careful about or with a little more understanding um i have a long list of allergies melanie has a couple i believe we share some nut allergies between the two of us and are you also allergic to seafood as well i'm oddly enough i can eat like tuna and sometimes i can eat shrimp depending but basically everything else i can't eat Mm-hmm. Actually, seafood allergies are very, very common. That and nuts. It's the other ones that are kind of like, oh, what? You can't have this? And dairy, I think. And yeah, gluten. I don't know if people are actually allergic to gluten or if, like, people think they're allergic to gluten or what. Which, I mean, like, whatever. If you're allergic to something, you're allergic to it. But gluten-free things are becoming more and more um, uh, accessible, I guess is a way to put it. Yeah, because there's actually a lot of people allergic to the glucose that is in food. Um, I think the biggest thing that I miss glucose from is bread. I didn't know that gluten-free bread would taste like that, so... (laughs) Yeah, and also America puts a lot of sugar in a lot of foods that don't need it, so there's like... It's funny you say that, because I just saw a post on the media that was about, like, this is all the stuff that's in... American foods versus in other places, like comparing ketchup in America versus ketchup in like the UK and things like that. And it was like a very like long list of sugary stuff. My parents had a whole argument about ketchup one time. I remember that randomly. But yeah, like everything has sugar (laughs) in it. And corn. That's another thing. Like the US uses corn for everything. But you know, there's documentaries on that if you want to know more about the way um, capitalism in the US has fucked the food industry and the way that we eat. Yeah, they're, remember that documentary that they had us watch in school for um, McDonald's? Yeah, that whole thing is fake. Fake in the sense of, like, it's not valid, I guess, is a better way to put it. And I thought it was interesting that, because in hindsight, I think that it would have been more resourceful to share a video about different diets and allergies than that. 
for health related things. I don't even know what the purpose of watching that was. To not eat at McDonald's? McDonald's was damn was literally down the street from high school though. So <laughs> literally that was the worst McDonald's in the entire county, but it was down the street. I honestly go out of my way to not go to that one. But um let me give people at home some I'm just gonna give them two definitions just to keep in mind for the episode and I guess going forward. An allergy is a condition in which the immune system reacts abnormally to a foreign substance. And different types of allergies could be food, it can be medicines, chemicals, fur, animals, um, bugs. You can also be allergic to that as well. But regardless, whatever it is, is you're reacting to it as soon as you come into contact with it. Whereas a diet different is a special course of food to which one restricts oneself, either to lose weight or for medical purposes. So, let's just dive right on in. So, like I was saying, I I picked this topic today because I keep interacting with people who respond poorly to allergies. Um, One of the more harrowing experiences um, recently was a girl saying that her friend had weirdo allergies, but then in that same moment, she's like, if anybody else in this space has weirdo allergies, let me know as she makes seafood in the back of the kitchen. And I'm just like, wouldn't that have been something you wanted to send out in the email or on the event before you made seafood? Sorry, kind of like a random question. Did they tell you what the food was going to be before you got there? Or like, did they tell you there was going to be food? Because I would think that would be something they would like inform people of, period. You would think so. I didn't see anything on the event on Facebook. Apparently there was an email sent out for people to bring their own cups for the tea, but there was no mention of the types of snacks that were going to be there. Um, Once she said that the snacks cost money, I was really not about spending my money there. (laughs) You know, I got to save my black dollar for where it's best served. And getting someone's homemade sushi is kind of like a huge question mark for like choices that I probably wouldn't take. But that was what the food option was for that venue. And then I guess some baked goods. I think she said that she had croissants as well, but croissants are also mm. made with eggs. So she yeah. didn't have a menu out either. She just listed out that like, you know, to fill out the order, come back, pay your, pay your dues. And, um, they'll get the sushi for you. Croissants later on and sushi. Sorry. This is just a lot to take in. Okay. But yeah, that was the more recent one, and then obviously other ones, I've had some issues with the Hello Kitty truck, because they don't put the food label on their snacks, so you're taking a bite of Hello Kitty's face, and then your throat starts closing up, and you're just like, what the fuck is in here, <laughs> you know? The interesting thing about all of these experiences is, like, I remember in college, if we wanted to do, um, like, baked good drives or whatever, we weren't allowed to because of that very reason, and the fact of, like, well, you were making this at home and people don't know what it is and you don't have a food license, so the school would be liable or whatever, whatever. But it was like this this big stressor of like people need to know what ingredients are in what you're selling. And if you're making it at home, that uh, process isn't transparent. So we can't let you sell food. So it's interesting that like maybe less so at the event because that also was kind of like um, there was a lot with that. But with the Hello Kitty truck, that they're <laughs> it not, was a like, shit show. <laughs> it's it's in, well, yeah. It's interesting that with the Hello Kitty truck, they're not like held liable or don't have to have that information somewhere because it's a it's a business. You would think there's some legal precaution you have to put if you're selling food. If me as a college student trying to sell cupcakes and condoms had to have that type of you know thing in mind it's interesting that you bring up like having the food truck license because um based on some of the bigger events like conventions they also have to have special licensing for selling food there and then conventions have to have their own licensing liquor laws are very strict um i wanted to also bring up that at the hell kitty truck everything is like packaged like really well and like I'm going to show you, Melanie, people at home can't see it, but, like, you see this little box that has my pop in it right now. Mm -hmm. So this had Madeline's in it, and they were all wrapped individually, which is cool. That's very sanitary, if a little bit wasteful plastic, if anything. But none of those things, this entire box, has space on the bottom (laughs) to list ingredients, and it did not. And I didn't know what a Madeline was, so I was just like, well, uh, I hope it's okay. (laughs) And I took a bite of it. <clears throat> which might be why I'm clearing my throat so much in this episode today. Yeah, that's just, like, I don't know. Or, like, 
even if they don't put it on the individual box, having to put like a sign somewhere else. I don't know. Popeyes has to warn you that everything got hella salt in it. So why wouldn't this random truck have to warn you like that there's eggs in something? Right. And it's a cafe truck. So specifically marketed as the Hello Kitty like cafe official thing. So it should have the nutritional information. I remember selling or people selling food at colleges and some spaces that were more, I guess, informed would have a nice little list of like what things were made with. But most people just like, oh, this is chocolate chip cookies and have at it 50 cents or a dollar or whatever to a fundraise or whatever. And then other issues of food with college spaces um, in general is that for club meetings, you know how the go to is always to get like the a whole pizza thing. to get Little Caesars specifically. <laughs> That's another thing that has me like. I wish some of these spaces would be more open to the fact that not everyone can have the same thing, whether it be for dietary reasons or if they actually have allergies. I found that a lot of those social events would just order pizza and call it, not even like order wings. It would just be pizza and maybe a soda. Yeah, I think the thing with that is like cost, right? They're just trying to get whatever is cheap and easy to get for a lot of people. Um and probably, I don't know if pizza is actually more sanitary than wings. It's probably less messy. Um, but but if you get wings, then you have the issue of like having a vegetarian option, right? So then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll just get a cheese pizza and a pepperoni pizza or whatever. Um, so I think in like school spaces and groups with, in the spaces for school groups, there's the issue of money. <laughs> and so they're just like, I'm gonna get the cheapest thing that requires the least amount of customization so pizza um which then sucks for everybody who can't eat that and i think unless there's enough people or people who come frequently enough they don't think about that and order any alternative which sucks it really does um i hate to say that allergies are costly but unfortunately a lot of these alternatives to what you're allergic to costs more money so getting <laughs> i don't know actually I, there, it's been a long time since i've ordered a salad from a pizza place but even then it's it's a little pricey for some greens in a little <laughs> plastic box i know that's be good it's not it's not good at all but then that's the the like go-to option is just to get salad for people who can't partake partake in the pizza or if there is wings that's the other option that they have is just a salad or maybe even bread but if you have the the gluten allergy then you're you're also screwed for that as well yeah think i'm thinking because seeing here that like the vegetarian option is salad i think a, a big issue of it is just like culturally um like our food norms don't embrace people who like don't eat pork <laughs> and who don't eat dairy and who don't eat, like, peanut butter and jelly is, like, a very common thing that's, like, oh, you, kids, just give them that. And and recently that's had to change because a lot more kids are allergic to peanuts. And, like, there are schools that won't even allow kids to bring peanuts to school um, because you can hurt other kids. But all that's to say that, like, our culture, U.S. culture does not have good alternatives for food. Um and I'm thinking just because, like, in India, there's hella vegetarian options. Like, it's not just salad. There's so many other things you can eat. Hella potato options, I will say, which is delicious. Um, but we don't see that here because we're not thinking vegetarian is an option that's normal. It's an option that's other. So it's going to get the least amount of attention as possible. And that's same for, like, gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, um, anything that would consider any allergens. It's like, that's so fucking extra. I'm not going to really pay attention to that here's one option in case you need it but otherwise i'm not gonna care because we don't have a big enough population that needs it which is crazy because there's actually a lot of people who have allergies and it's very it's pretty common but i guess it would be considered more of a minority experience because like obviously not everyone has food allergies specifically um i have interacted with people who only have a couple of medical allergies and that's like a whole different experience um my mom is one of those people and i'm fortunate to not have any medical allergies so far because like obviously you learn the hard way when it comes to medical allergies but um you know how potatoes can be cooked in so many different ways like like a good handful of ways that's what food options should look like at academic spaces or even corporate spaces because another area where people are very like 
cheap about food options is definitely at work. <sighs> that sigh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... Over the summer, we had a lot of events where we had to buy a lot of food for a lot of people. And we always did sandwiches. But we had to keep in mind, like, okay, we need a vegetarian option, a vegan option, a gluten-free option. That was basically it. Those were the three options we would consider. And, like, we would tell that to the vendors and then they would give us a bunch of stuff. And what would happen is that... So what happens is that people can put down... This is going to kind of come up later, but people can put down if they're vegetarian or not. And what would happen is that, like, people would put down that they were vegetarian, but then... Or people would put down that they weren't vegetarian and then saw what the vegetarian option was and wanted to eat all of that. And then the people who actually needed to eat it didn't have food, right? Because someone's like, ooh, that salad looks good. I'm going to LOL the salad Um, or whatever. (laughs) The option looks good, so I'm going to take it. But then that takes it away from the person who needs it. But I'm also sighing because people on the flip side would complain if we ran out of the meat options too quickly. And they're like, I don't want to eat the vegetarian option. That's gross. And then we would try to donate it. And the guy was like, yo, the people at the homeless shelter actually don't like the vegetarian option. Can you stop giving us that as well? So it was this weird dynamic of like either everybody wanted to eat the shit that wasn't for them or nobody wanted to eat it unless it had meat in it. And it was really fucking annoying and really wasteful. It is. And it's crazy, right? Because for corporate events, um, having to order them myself in the past how much money is spent on that ridiculousness and then to hear the boss complain about like you know oh you can't eat what the majority can that's whack so you're just gonna have to get over it and that was actually a real experience i actually had my boss be like oh you can't eat this that sucks well you're just gonna have to deal with it and i'm just like that is completely Absurd. unfair <laughs> to the person who has allergies and what's wild about it is that when i first started working at my old job I was the only, like, receptionist person or, you know, in lower staff that actually cared enough to make sure that there was something for other people to eat that had dietary restrictions. One of my co-workers was um, not able to eat pork. Another person was vegetarian. And then there's me with a shit ton of allergies. And so I just wanted to make sure that everyone had something that was available for them. And then what irritated me was like, oh, the people who don't have any issues, like, oh, we like this vegetarian option. We should totally do this more often. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's crazy what happens when you have vegetables and not just me yeah Mm. how about that thinking of waste because it's like when you don't get people what they want so much food just goes to waste and it's like if you or what they can't eat right it's not even what people Mm -hmm. want it's like if there's hella people that can't eat pork and you get pork chops you just wasted so much food for no reason when you could have just asked people if they would be able to eat something it's dumb that's the thing i think asking the question alone would be more cost effective to you the business person if you actually ask if anyone has any dietary issues or you know what people want that's a real i mean yeah it's annoying to go through and like ask people but it saves you more money to actually know what people are going to eat and engage with rather than just being like everyone likes pizza so i'm just going to get pizza because that's what i'm used to buying for everybody like, and everyone does not like pizza also none of the pizzas from freaking waterloo like come on now <laughs> that was crazy that also I'm just going to add on another interesting thing about corporate spaces not respecting like dietary choices and needs is the break room and the types of snacks that are there. I've never seen so many nut-related products in my life in one setting outside of a Target aisle. Do you know how crazy that is? Dang. Where are the options that don't have nuts in a break room? I will say, I don't know if this is because I work in education technically, but the one the one thing my job did really well is like whenever they buy a variety of snacks they make sure they never get the ones with nut options because there's so many shit with nuts there's so many people allergic to nuts and there's so many options that don't have them so it's like just don't buy them at all (laughs) just avoid the whole thing if somebody wants some peanut butter they can go out and get it or whatever yeah that that's probably true the peanut table or the peanut free table came about after i was already out of like that generalized school system like out of public schools which kind of sucks because that probably would have been really great for me growing up if there's a peanut free table but socially i've heard from my siblings that sitting at the peanut free table it kind of makes you outcasted and you get like like being a loser type stigma based on how they've talked about it and so my siblings do need to sit at the peanut free table but they don't because it just doesn't look cool to sit there but I'm like but that's for your safety that's for your health why wouldn't you sit there I mean don't be a clout chaser all your life think about (laughs) trying to live a long life (laughs) I'm here for a good time not a long time but maybe 
if allergies were more normalized, then sitting at the peanut table wouldn't be, uh, you know, detriment to your social status in high school. And it would just be seen as a space where you can actually just eat lunch and not have to worry about turning red or getting welts from touching something that's peanut related. What are they eating? That's no, that that's right. That makes sense. I'm trying to think of what they fed us in high school, and I'm like, wasn't none of that shit natural? Where were they getting peanuts from? But <laughs> it's all the people who get the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch. It's actually very oh, because probably like a dollar. It's, yeah, it's the poor people uh, sandwich of choice, apparently. Fair. Speaking of, like, economically speaking, some diets do cost so much money. So, obviously, having um, peanut butter and jelly is pretty cheap. Like, you get, like, a loaf of bread. I don't know how much peanut butter is. And jam is, like, what, a couple dollars? And that'll last you for maybe a week and a half, depending on how often you make sandwiches. And that's a really cheap grocery shopping. Whereas me, if... I need to eat something that's going to last. Rice and beans <laughs> at best. <laughs> but them Goya beans is like 80 cents a, a can. But a little can though, not the big can. And that might last me. But if I want meat or something vegetable, like fresh vegetables, that's when it starts getting pricey for grocery shopping. And then gluten-free stuff is also pretty expensive. A lot of the things that are like aligned to vegetarian or vegan diets expensive as shit (laughs) or having things that are like cruelty free that's also a very popular thing to see nowadays like oh this is made cruelty free so and this has antioxidants in it and all this other stuff and the chickens were living at paradise before they were slaughtered you know things like that but the the at paradise please the like unfortunate thing about all of that it makes me think of like coconut oil right coconut oil used to be super cheap and like pretty easy to find super cheap and then white people found it and then white people wanted it. And so now there is coconut oil that's $15 a jar. For what reason? I don't know. Because it's probably the same fucking coconut oil as a $2 jar. So there are like options that I don't think would have been as expensive. I think of like rice. Rice wasn't always expensive. Even beans. There was probably like gluten-free options that weren't marked as gluten-free. But people just... If you have an allergy, you know what you can and can't eat. You look it up before anybody slaps a label on it that it's safe for you because you need to be able to eat. But then once it can become commodified, then things come ex- become expensive. So I wonder, like, if it was cheaper to be vegetarian, even if you had fewer options, like, 10 years ago because it wasn't as easily commodified. And now, like, it's trendy. People go gluten-free to lose weight. Um, people... I don't know, like, people take on certain diets just because they hear everybody talking about it, and they're like, oh, this must must be healthier for me, when the reason why it gained so much traction is because people who actually needed it started advocating for better options. Um, and, you know, capitalism does its thing, and then suddenly everything's more expensive for no reason. This is when I start my own farm, because I feel like it'd be cheaper to do that than <laughs> to buy food sometimes grow a little garden in the back or have one of those um actually i have seen an uptick in pricing for grow- like having the little mini gardens for growing your own herbs for your kitchen that's See? also gone up probably because more people wild. are doing it yeah probably since we are talking about um having dieting choices i'm skipping down two bullets if you can see the outline mm-hmm I saw this post and I actually commented that I really appreciated that they shared it because often I get told like, yeah, you should definitely go vegan or be vegetarian. Flaxseed oils, where it's at. Um, Flaxseeds, bro. <laughs> I get that a, a way more than I think I would. Makes good but gel. But Yes, it is, and also really regulates you. I will, I will give it that. Chia seeds, another one I would recommend. Chia seeds are expensive though. Okay, sorry. The quote. They are. Yeah. The quote um, from someone named Kaylin, and it says, I want to be vegan, but I love cheese and bacon too much. Sad face emoji. This is a quote, and then they say, if there are only a few animal products stopping you, keep those and ditch the rest. You'll still be making a big impact, and you can work on finding alternatives once slash if you're ready. You got this. Smiley face emoji. And I was like, yo. I need more people to be like that. I rarely see people talk about their dietary choices, like being vegan or vegetarian, like that. 
they're just too busy to be like, yeah, be vegan or vegetarian, save the planet. And it's just like a really aggressive approach to it. And so just being like, you can do it at your pace. And I understand that it might not be economically uh, viable for you. You might have issues, you know, deviating from not eating chicken, <laughs> you know, all the time and etc. But I like that um, there are a lot of substitutes that came out of the vegan and vegetarian diets being more, I don't want to say trendy, but I guess more popular. Mm. Um, it does give more options. There's more fruits and vegetables that I wouldn't have seen in my in my early days. Like chia seeds, I didn't know anything about that, but I see more of it now and I partake in the blow up the toilet uh, seed thing that it is. It's it's good. It's like, you know, you got to regulate yourself. But um going vegetarian. Way. Yeah, the natural way. <laughs> I like I like stuff like that. Instead of taking like actual laxatives, I think having fiber that way is really good. But one thing that bugs me about the people telling you to do a certain diet is that like you really should not be telling anybody how to monitor their health for their body like they can't just make these choices all willy-nilly they have to come to that conclusion on their own and they should be allowed to make these decisions without being shoved aggressive (laughs) agenda down their face um to do it I would like to say that seeing a dietitian is very important, but I know that that can be an expensive venue. Um, Whatever diet that you're doing, it really is up to you. Sometimes you just can't even afford it. I know that I probably cannot afford going vegetarian for like a very long time because I have too many people in my household and buying fresh vegetables all the time would be really expensive for us because it's we're too many in here too deep too many too many kids we have one boy he eats enough for four people so it's like feeding a house of 10 just thinking about like yeah not everybody can make these dietary uh uh not everybody can make my mom is also texting me um not everybody can make these dietary changes for a plethora of reasons. And a lot of, I mean, there's like that running joke of vegans being really annoying. But especially given the way um, the earth is melting, a lot of people are pushing to consume less meat for the betterment of the planet. And I think do so in a way that's really aggressive and like shames you and makes you feel bad for the choices that you're making. And I saw this person tweet, they are their twitter name is wifeiana at wifex w-a-i-f-x um but they said white vegans and white climate change activists never seem to make the connection that everything they're fighting against is a product of european colonization in which they are the benefactors which in the term in the realm of like being shamed into veganism and vegetarianism like I don't think a lot of people doing this shaming, it also makes me think of PETA. I don't think people who are doing the shaming realize that pushing this huge demand on another industry is one, the result of like um, a dangerous industry, but two is then also like creating more negative things. So not only are you shaming people, making them feel bad about their choices, but there's also environmental damage that's being done by like farmers in Mexico getting rid of the crops that they used to have to now all grow avocados because there's this huge avocado sweat like trend in the U.S. where everybody wants to eat guacamole all the time which is going to have an impact when people decide that avocado is no longer the superfruit and they don't want to eat that anymore um, and the demand switches elsewhere and now all of these farmers have to raise crops all over again like that's also having an impact so just thinking of like not only are you being a dick to people who already have dietary restrictions, but forcing your agenda, <laughs> your dietary agenda has a ripple effect that you think you're doing a good cause, but you're really not. Like you're just causing um, several layers of harm and trauma to various people. And you're entirely right. So another aspect about, I think, white vegans or white vegetarians is that like yeah all these like new pop-ups for shops and cafes that cater to them is great and but that's just you know more money to to the white man and then it's like the face for what veganism vegetarianism is actually very very white when it comes to like capitalistic things which is kind of annoying and 
the only time that I see, like, black vegan things is during February. And that's it. And then I have to save that link of, like, here's five shops in D.C. that you can get vegan oh my food God, for black people. Oh, my God, they're always in D.C. <laughs> no, they're always in Silver Spring, actually. Um, no, yeah, that's true. And which sucks, because, like, you know, black vegans exist. I remember that lady at the event that we used to go to to read poetry, and she was saying that, like, they grow specific crops that come from, like, Africa and origin. And I thought that was so cool, and I would have liked to talk more with her about that, but, like, you know, never saw them ever again. So (laughs) that never happened. But that's something that's interesting, and I would have liked to know about, like, different foods from other countries that, like, maybe I'm not allergic to, and that would be able to supply me with what I need to have, like, a healthy food diet. Because, you know, obviously having so many allergies, I'm missing a lot of nutrients. I am taking more vitamins, though. I will say that with age, I've now resulted to <laughs> That one a day women's, you know? <laughs> no, I'm actually on a, a vitamin E and vitamin D regimen once a week. Um, oh, my God, vitamin I slimmed D. down because of it surprisingly enough so <laughs> that's been interesting but yeah like there's not just white vegans there's also black vegans and they also produce things that are delicious and probably still as oily as not vegan food to be honest but i think that's a really cool thing but it gets kind of overshadowed by you know capitalism favoring white vegans and vegetarians the other thing with um the woman from the poetry thing that i also forgot the name of is that she like you said she was talking about growing crops from Africa and I remember seeing this thing where someone was talking about um like the advent of city bikes and like bike sharing programs and like all these white people saying we should all walk to work and like bicycle bicycle cycle (laughs) to work for the environment someone was like black people have been doing this for years and you know you said that we were poor too poor to get a car so it's interesting how this narrative shifts because and it's not just black people, like communities of color have been eating sustainably and like doing things that were environmentally safe because they actually cared about their space instead of just wanting to like colonize and capitalize on everything for centuries. And then we were told that that was incorrect and you should be doing it in this really traumatic way. And now that everything's dying, we're going back to the root um, or, or capitalism is going back to the root to sell it to us. But, like, our communities are also going back to the root to find out, like, okay, how were we actually surviving before all of this? Which is how you get really cool people like that lady at the poetry thing. But the other thing I was thinking about, and I haven't done research on this, but I've talked to my friend about it, is that there's, like, um, like, I just wonder about, I guess it would be, like, food anthropology. Because there's definitely ways. So, like, for example, I remember my school did Meatless Meatless Monday where they didn't serve meat at all on Mondays at the dining hall, people got really fucking mad. So they stopped and started doing less meat Monday. And so there would only be like no meat at lunch, but there'd still be meat at um, at dinner. And the argument that I think the people who got really pissed off made was like, we can't get protein. Like we can only get protein for meat. Clearly there's thousands of different ways to get protein and like hundreds of thousands of people since the beginning of time have been getting protein from other ways so when i'm thinking of food anthropology it's just like all uh, i mean people were dying real young but they were looking good they were looking snatched they were looking nutri- <laughs> they were looking um you know nutritious so i'm just wondering like if we look at food anthropology how are people eating in ways that were sustainable that are traditional that utilize the crops of the area instead of like outsourcing to other countries who then have to fuck up their whole agricultural industry um to like get protein and get all of these things that we're told you can only get it by drinking a glass of milk every day that's how you go big and strong that's how you get calcium that's not true there's other ways to get it um but well, let me we don't tell you about how. greens real quick okay and <laughs> if i don't pick up some damn collards rip them off honestly the stem, it's funny you bring up food anthropology because that post just recircled back to my feed about the guy who found a strain of like yeast in a vase from like Egypt and now him and his science boys grew that specific strand of like yeast and made bread from that time. Ooh. And I was just like, that's some weird out of pocket science. <laughs> yeah. It takes being a foodie to a whole new level. And I just thought that was, it's cool, but also like, why? <laughs> Leave that yeast alone. 
honestly, I mean, it maybe it's not here for a while. I, you know what? That reminds me. Speaking about things that like change agriculturally, there are so much. There are so many foods that have been altered by how we process them. I'm. I was upset to learn that baby carrots aren't actually baby carrots, and that they're just the leftovers that are shaved and circularized um, from real carrots. Oh well, they're and delicious. So <laughs> they are. Bananas look nothing like how they're supposed to look. Um, there's just there's a whole there's a whole list of it. Actually, speaking of bananas, so the reason why banana candy doesn't like never will taste like bananas is because the strain of flavor that was like pulled to make the flavor for banana was wiped out because the banana industry was like, oh, this other strain of banana is bigger grows faster is cheaper to grow so we're going to kill this entire other strain and only grow this strong one and so banana candy still has the taste of that strain that was killed out but all of the bananas the u.s grows and sells are of the like bigger stronger cheaper strain so we'll never taste the like the original banana ever again isn't that crazy that is crazy and it just makes me feel like why why do we do this money like <laughs> I mean, what do you mean like, we want to mass <laughs> that is always and we want to mass reduce stuff but like, I just—it's not really cost efficient in the long run. Like, once they don't you care. Don't have space. <laughs> then what's the point? In the moment, they do not uh, give a fuck. That's the same reason really why don't. they don't buy um, vegetarian options as more than some wilted lettuce and some olives and some olive oil, right? It's because, in the moment, this is cheaper for me. Even if in the long run it would be better and more cost efficient to actually ask people what they want to eat. So I can get stuff that people can eat. Like, nah, I'm going to buy this $10 pizza and two of these little wilted-ass salads and they going to let it rock. The salads that you get, too, when it is the vegetarian option that someone just threw together, it's just like, damn, like, you couldn't toss in anything more than some tomatoes? Like, some nope. cucumbers, some carrot shittings, some cabbage, you know, some onion, I don't know. They're like, this <laughs> is a pizza shop. <laughs> All we got that's whole is the tomato. But you got mushrooms and toppings that could go into a salad. But you know what? Let me not go on that rant. Like, no. Let me actually circle, circle, circle back <laughs> to the previous points in the outline since we skipped a little bit. So something that comes out of diet choices too that is also very interesting with like you know the the lifestyle of ha- being allergic to things or you know dieting culture is faking allergies versus just being a picky eater ironically i have real allergies and i'm also a picky eater which is terrible but hey i'm honest about it so have you ever met like have you ever encountered people who fake having an allergy in restaurants places specifically yes one of our good friends i don't uh like her code name but i don't know a better philly's finest she fakes (laughs) she will lie and say she has an allergy because well, now she's vegetarian, but even back when she was vegan, if she said, like, um, milk is, like, a big thing that for some reason people don't want to allow you to have an alternative to, or maybe people are better about it now, but, like, if she asked for soy milk instead of regular milk, or if she asked to not have cheese on something, and if she said, oh, it's because of my dietary choice, not because I'm allergic, they would give her the thing anyway, um, which if you're someone who's been eating a certain way for, a, like, over I feel like after three months it can fuck you up pretty diet like die you know in your system or whatever um that was fucked up so she just started lying and saying that she was allergic because otherwise people would be like fuck you I don't care about vegans <laughs> and give her cheese anyway so yes yeah so I too have been people who've faked um having an allergy and then also in front of me and then like me having allergies like huh interesting because you definitely don't have this allergy or you're just being a picky eater which I will be a picky eater in public which means I will pick out like the ingredients that I don't like like right there in real time and that might be poor manners but I just I I don't like that food so I'm just not going to eat it and I'll just put it in a corner on the side and if someone else wants to eat it that's fine but What's interesting about faking allergies is that this comes out of people just not... There's no culture, cultural norm of respecting dietary choices or allergies. So, like, the go-to is to fake the allergy to be, like, have your choice respected and so that it's treated as something that's serious. And that's really shameful as a whole, I think, in America, is that people would have to fake an allergy just for their diet to be respected in restaurant spaces, especially because it's very common that restaurants don't clean after each cooking thing that they do and so there's constant contamination which is really dangerous by the way but i'll talk about medical things 
at the end, towards the end. But even the idea of, like, faking an allergy for, uh, like, respect isn't always true. Because I remember seeing something about someone being, like, this dude came in and asked for soy milk, but I didn't, like, whatever, he was annoying or something, so they gave him regular milk, and someone was like, you could, you can kill somebody doing that. Like, you don't know why they're asking for soy milk. Like, I, I think on the flip side, a lot of places think that you're faking an allergy, and so they just give you the real thing. And they're like, if you actually need it, you'll come and get the real thing. And it's like... I might um, pass out before that happens, you know, or whatever. So you're right. It is because there's like no respect of people's dietary choices. But for some people, even the idea of you having an allergy, they're like, yeah, whatever, you're making it up. I don't actually believe you. So I'm still going to put X, Y, and Z in the thing that you ordered. And it's a very negative response to these issues, especially because like on TikTok, there's a lot of baristas on there and they joke about like, you know, someone asks for soy milk and then they give them just regular milk or I'm like, they could have a real reason and joking about giving them the wrong milk is not funny to me because they might actually have an allergy or maybe they have a sensitivity or maybe they just, you know, think milk is disgusting, which is fair. So (laughs) my thing is y'all not paying for the soy milk. So why does it matter if they're getting soy milk instead of regular milk? Like, is this impacting your job to have to pull out the different... I mean, maybe it is. I don't fucking know. I've never been a barista. But I feel like you're just pulling from a different bottle. So why would you be so much of a dick to go out of the way to give somebody something that they didn't order? And then you're going to be mad when they come back to the counter yelling at you. What's so crazy about it, too, is that I feel like it's like a... It's like an underlying thing, but I feel like people view allergies as like a like a snobby hoity-toity thing like oh they're just like you know they're just playing around or they're just, it's just you know it's not real they just want attention and it's like that's not the case I would actually prefer if I didn't have any allergies so that I wouldn't have these issues when I go out into the society and try to eat food that I don't make by my hand and see the process entirely from start to finish you know yeah something that is very common that also has like a lot of negative responses too is people who are lactose intolerant um which is like an allergy, but it's more like you just have a very hypersensitivity to lactose, which is in milk, dairy products. And so commonly, like, the common symptom is, like, you have some ice cream and then, like, you have the shits. So (laughs) after eating it. And there were so many memes for, like, a very long period of time where people were just making fun of people who actively eat ice cream but then had, like, the lactose intolerance. And I'm just like, "It's, it's actually not funny because, like, for some of these people, that lactose intolerance is something that developed post them actually having ice cream, so it's hard to, like, separate away from it. Or for others, it can be accidental, and you'll have something that you didn't even realize had dairy in it. Smoothies is something that you would think wouldn't have dairy in it, but it has yogurt in it a lot of the times, or the Ooh. whey protein. Yep. And then you're on the toilet crying in agony because you just didn't know. <laughs> And some people treat the lactose allergy based on the memes and think that's the only thing that people can have in regards to dairy. And then people who have actual dairy allergies are just, like, dismissive as being lactose intolerant. And there actually is a distinct difference (laughs) between the two, which really sucks because people will rather assume that you're lactose intolerant because, like, that's what's information is readily available, especially because of memes. And all that, like, misinformation was fired off into social media and... People think that they know that, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they think that they know what being lactose intolerant means, and it's like, what's crazy, which is probably going to surprise people, it's not just the shits, (laughs) when you have the lactose intolerance um, sensitivity. You have a variety of symptoms, actually, besides the fact that you can't actually physically digest that, um, is it a protein? I'm not really a nutritionist, so like, I I don't even play one on TV. (laughs) Yeah, let's say it's an enzyme. I don't know. The O's, uh N probably tells you what it is. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist, nor do I play one on TV. The thing. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but either way, like, people can't break down lactose, and so their body is reacting violently to that foreign substance in their body. We're like, what is this? And it's going into panic, and sometimes it isn't just being on the toilet. Sometimes people vomit or they get like really itchy rashes welts things like that which brings me to my last larger chunk the medical things let me tell you melanie 
that I was looking up EpiPen stuff, like, you know, her derping around or whatever, and I am sick of shit because right now the price of EpiPen... They're like six hundred and fifty to seven hundred dollars in cash for EpiPens right now. Cash. <laughs> and like that's not including insurance or anything like that. That's not um this is really morbid. That's not surprising because insulin is also something like dumb high like that that obviously people need. Um and hella people are dying because insulin is like it should be free <laughs> or like ten dollars because you need this to live or to survive in case of an accident in the case of an EpiPen and it's hundreds of dollars so people are just dying which is crazy this is also when I want to remind people that like you can definitely consult a dietitian or an allergy specialist or maybe even your family doctor they might know a couple things I don't know I'm also not a doctor but they might suggest not only if you don't have the money to get EpiPen, they might suggest something as over-the-counter like Benadryl or any antihistamine that you can get even if it's not, you know, on brand, like okay. Benadryl. <laughs> I just gotta say antihistamine on it. So something that really bugs me about, like, how allergies are received is the lack of knowledge about EpiPens. You know how people are taught to, like, well, technically you can pay to get certified to do CPR. I feel like EpiPens should also be along those lines, even though it wouldn't be, like, as long as a class, but at most maybe, like, a video or two in a dark room showing you how to actively use an EpiPen and what it's for. I wonder who gets certified to know that. Like, I wonder if, te- like, teachers have to know. Because... I honestly I don't wonder. even think that they have to. It's not required. I've never seen it required, like, ever. My mom obviously knows how to use EpiPen because of me, but, like, if she was to ask some random teacher at her school, they'd be like, um, I don't even know what a EpiPen is. In fact, they just got their first kid at her school that's, like, me with a shit ton of allergies, <laughs> and everyone is freaking out. Are they um, CPR certified, though? Because Yes, they are CPR certified. Because you're right. Like, all you need to know, well, I mean, they're kind of easy, but, like, you need to know that you have to stab somebody in the thigh. You have to, you know, let the thing release or whatever. It doesn't actually solve anything. You still need to call 911 and get them to the hospital. Um, but I don't know when you would learn that. Or, like, who has to know yeah. that other than people who need it? I mean, outside of, like, people at the ambulance maybe because they would definitely know but like regular schmegular people probably don't and then so when I was at work I actually sent out a pdf that was really like well done about how to use epipen and all of my coworkers really dismissed it even though I was like listen guys like just in case there's a reaction my epipen is in the top drawer um this is like a guide of how to use it and like what it's used for and my boss actually laughed it off. Like, he, like, deadass laughed it off to my face. And I was just like, yo. Um, Those people are going to be the root of a very large lawsuit shortly. Um. <laughs> Honestly. It also doesn't help that um, EpiPens in media sense, the freaking horrible bosses did, like, the worst thing, I think, for allergy people. Because there was a joke about one of the bosses having a peanut allergy and so that's how they were going to kill that boss and one of the guys accidentally saves his life with the EpiPen but he stabs the guy in the chest with the EpiPen instead of the thigh and that's not how you use it and that's really dangerous and that was like a very funny clip for a very long time while horrible bosses was out and I was just like yo I need this to not be funny because like you really do not stab someone in the chest with the EpiPen you stab them in the thigh and now there's that misinformation because people think it's that's just how you save someone's life with the EpiPen. <sighs> so this isn't the same, but I'm just thinking of like, okay, there's CPR classes, but clearly there's other medical emergency things that you would need to know, like EpiPens. But I'm also thinking like people who have seizures, like mm-hmm. are teachers or people being trained without... Because I think if there's like, oh, we have a student who might have seizures, you need to know blah, blah, blah. But before you even get to that point, like, what is the basic? It's weird that people don't have to know that, like, if someone's having a seizure, you need to move stuff away from them and just let them have it. Like, people still think, oh, I need to shove something in their mouth. Like, you could kill somebody that way. Um, They don't know how to use EpiPen. So it's just like... There's other emergency things than CPR and the Heimlich maneuver that are really simple, like three things to know, that it's interesting that they aren't 
I'm also just thinking of the teachers a lot, but I'm thinking of other people who would be CPR certified. Like, do lifeguards know what to do if someone's having a seizure or they have, like, an EpiPen emergency? And if they don't, why not? I don't know. It's odd. It's just interesting. Funnily enough, you can be allergic to chlorine, which is a common chemical used in pools. So that is a space where it would be probably required to learn how to use an EpiPen or at least know about that allergy. But it's not. Lifeguards, hit us up. We want to (laughs) know. We do want to know. I don't know why these things aren't like a requirement, but I really wish that they were because a lot of these things, very small, very simple or the difference between life and death for some people based yeah. on whatever the experience is. Whereas CPR is like, how much, How long was it? It was like 15 classes or something like that. Like CPR takes a lot of time. But these other things, like you said, it's it's super simple. You could just throw it in at the beginning of class. Like, before we start, here's another emergency technique. Just do like a different one every week or something. I don't know. Right. The other thing that I wanted to add in about medical things to like, at least with diet or allergies, is that when I first got, you know, real people insurance, the allergy specialist that would have been very helpful for me was not covered by my insurance. That would have been solely out of pocket. And that's something that if you do have those type of issues to look out for when you're looking at your insurance to be like, hey, does this actually cover me seeing someone about my dietary issues or etc. And that's when you find out that your company's really cheap and ain't really shit. So, <laughs> but it's just helpful to keep an eye out for that. Um, I will say though that if you are unable to get that sort of help, I do recommend interacting with some resources about allergies and how to deal with different symptoms. I do a lot of home remedies myself. I'm not saying that like you too should also do home remedies, but like, you know, on the off chance that you can't afford the $700 uh, EpiPen, <laughs> there are remedies for allergies that are very useful to know. And that's something that you can definitely take time to look into. I feel like I don't have anything else to add informationally or experience wise. I'm just hopeful that people realize that maybe they too should be trained how to use an EpiPen or at least look it up because it's not it's not hard but there's a lot of misinformation about how to use it (laughs) yeah so this is my favorite segment because now i can tell you about how you can treat your friends family and just any people with allergies in real time number one advice don't be a dick about people's allergies so one of my least favorite things to encounter was like oh you can't have ice cream (laughs) that's so horrible your life must be terrible and i'm just like I can't miss what I've never had, so I do not mourn it. <laughs> it's it's a very simple concept, but it's just very lost in how people navigate food. So, like, not being able to have ice cream or not being able to have chocolate and people just, like, have a total freak out about it. It would be helpful to not have a freak out about people having allergies. Like, going forward, in case you've already done it already, just be like, oh, you're allergic to this, I'll make note of that, and be mindful of your allergy when we're out eating or around other things. Other tip, it is helpful to actually ask before big events and venues if anyone has allergies so that they don't feel, one, left out, and so that there is something there so they can be a part of the experience. A lot of places, cough, cough, Afropunk, <clears throat> do not do a good job of that for their volunteers. That's one of my least favorite volunteer experiences with food, is definitely that one for sure. Um, there was just a lot others. wrong with that but yeah that one was I think that one's the worst so far I feel like there's something that where I definitely could not eat anything there but I don't know Afropunk's food situation was just like a whole mess like that whole time and it was just like a it was just a very bad memory in general to be honest but um oh yeah Certain allergies like peanuts and dairy are really common um it's helpful to have alternatives um, and to not have those items around the bulk of the, you know, food space, or at least separate them, like label things. It's helpful to do little cards. You can make something on, look, look a little graphic on Canva or something, you know? Oh my god, not Canva. <laughs> you have to order a lot of food for work too, right? Do you have to do, like, little, little menus or anything like that? No. <laughs> it's truly out of the kindness of whoever's, or whoever ordered heart to put, like, what everything is, but we do have, like, for events, a survey does go out asking people, like, do you have any dietary restrictions? Um, and regardless, like, certain things are always kept in mind. Like, we always try to have a vegetarian option, a gluten-free option, um, 
always try to never get anything with nuts. Um, I don't know if other people do this, but I do keep in mind dairy, particularly because someone on my team is vegan. So I'm always like, I want to make sure that like if there is dairy, it's not mixed in. Like it's something that people can add to it or there's an option without it. Um, but yeah, for for we had the nut one because nut allergies are common. So instead of asking people, just not even making it a an issue. But dairy is another one that's like instead of asking people, you could just not make it an issue by having an option that doesn't have it. Right. Um, speaking about the you know the the alternative being salads, dressings are often just ranch or what's the other one blue cheese oh there's never like the alternative option for dressing and that's really distressing to me (laughs) listen i wouldn't know but um i think it would be really cool if when there is a salad option that it isn't ranch dressing or blue cheese dressing i would like the dressing that i could have maybe italian dressing um there's zesty italian if you're feeling spicy yeah uh, vinaigrettes are also really nice Balsamic is a little sour. That's a very choice uh, dressing. But um, I wouldn't be mad if it was an option, though. I'd be like, oh, what a mix-up. I didn't know that we did that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's what I mean. Like, um, there's this one salad place that people order from all the time. And they give you four different dressings. And whoever does be ordering that does do a good job of, like, picking four different things. So it's not just ranch that's available. Yeah, that's really helpful. Actually, sauces in general are a very interesting experience in general because people deviate to one or two, and those one or two are very close in ingredients that it's just like, you might as well just have gotten double the same thing, you know? Yeah. It's it's really annoying. But anyway, the other tip that I have for you guys is to learn how to use an EpiPen. Help save a person's life. You do still have to call the ambulance unless the person like me is cheap and would rather you just send me and lift. Um, <laughs> you have to call the hospital transportation, whichever you choose to use. Yeah, um, you do have to do that. That's very important information to know. There is one more thing I forgot to add. Let me find it. Um... Oh, what people might not know is that allergies are considered a chronic illness because, I mean, it's just not going away, guys. It's just not going away. There is there is no cure for allergies. There's something to appease the symptoms, but not actually a cure-all for allergies. Supposedly, you can lose allergies over time or as you get older, but I have yet to see the results of that, so we'll see. All right, did you have any last-minute tips, Melanie? No, I think that covered them all. That I can think of right now. Those are pretty, they're they're pretty sturdy tips. I think that it's just like, just don't be a dick. Is the main one. <laughs> yeah, and like be considerate. Oh yeah, that's. You know how not considerate. I could really go off on a tangent about how not considerate some people are, especially in some of the community events that I've been going to. That maybe will be like, you know what? I just am never going to anything with food ever. <laughs> like someone making you bring a cup. Cause ain't about to be no cups there. Wild. Oh, there were cups there. They they just charged for it. That means there was no cups there. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So the listener question for this week is: What are some Halloween treats that are allergy friendly? Wow, there's a thought for you to think about. There are other things you can give out besides chocolate and apples. Who's apples giving out treats. apples? That's healthy. What? <laughs> Some people fuck? do. I've seen that. I've seen that stuff. Some people give out apples. Absolutely not. Could be razor blades in there. <laughs> Obviously. But yeah, you can have a safe Halloween for people who have um, dietary issues, and that would be really dope if you had options that were not just chocolate. This week's recommendations are I wrote a response to the Hello Kitty Cafe truck that I thought would be interesting for you guys to take a look at. If you want to see more experiences in real time and it's called deadly treats need receipts and that is on jadedisland.com written by madam me and then melanie my recommendation is that it is officially fall start the new season by setting some intentions for the next three months fall was Ooh. started the same day as bisexual visibility day actually funny enough so you know it's another chunk of time to help us bide our last remaining days i don't know girl the leaves are dying but your motivation doesn't have to set some new intentions perfect all right the recap i'm gonna do this as neatly as i can (laughs) all right to 
today's topic was social reception to allergies. We define the difference between allergies and a diet. We talked about how you can respect someone's dietary needs and choices, um, both in academic and corporate settings. We talked about how people enforce diet choices and what can be done differently about encouraging people to do your diet. We talked about faking allergies versus being a picky eater. We also talked about medical things that are very useful. And if you did take notes, that's great. And I'm happy that you did. And if you learn how to use EpiPen after this, definitely tweet at us and let us know. Like, you know what? Yeah, I'm encouraged to get a EpiPen instruction thanks to you guys. I will be really happy. It would make my day. And then finally, we wrapped up by giving you guys some tips on how you can treat your friends, family, and people with allergies just a little bit better. Um, you'll have to refer back to maybe like 10 minutes ago when we listed them out. And then the listener question for this week is, what are some Halloween treats that are allergy-friendly? And the recommendations, mine is an article by me, or I guess it's an essay, but Deadly Treats and Receipts on jadedisland.com. And Melanie's is... Oh my good lord. Sorry, I'm getting texts from work now. My recommendation is that it is officially fall. Start the new season by setting some intentions for the next three months. Woo! And that is all that we have for you guys today. I hope you guys have a wonderful start to the fall season, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. So, happy podcasting, and be safe out there, kids.